0: the sound of a shofar, of course, and this one is pretty special. It's being blown by a six-year-old Toronto girl named Esther Lim. But how Esther got this shofar in the first place is quite the saga. It's a story that spans three countries, and the shofar almost didn't get here because the Canadian government inspectors who were looking for smugglers of endangered wildlife parts stopped the box of shofars when they arrived from Israel to Canada last month. In the end, though, it was the story of Passover that had a lot to do with why the Canadian government eventually let the shofar go.
1: But but it did occur to me, like, I was like, is this anti-Semitism? Like, because I had, like, the Mogan David and an Israeli flag in the same order.
0: I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Sarah Davis is a Toronto special ed teacher and a wife and mother of two children, including Esther. And that was the name of Sarah's own mother, who had converted to Christianity when she got married. And so Sarah was raised as a Christian. But after her mother died, Davis began to explore her Jewish roots with her own kids. And recently she decided to try to buy her first ever Judaica items. A rude encounter with a salesperson in a Montreal Jewish religious store convinced her that she'd avoid more hassles by going online. So she found an Israeli retailer based in B'nai Brak called com. Davis ordered a tallit, two shofars, two Stars of David necklaces, and an Israeli flag. In early March, Davis got her order, but the shofars were missing from the box. There was a note inside that they'd been held up at a Quebec Environment Canada facility Coming up, Sarah Davis will be here to explain why at first she thought the government was being anti-Semitic. But let's take a look at what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. Hi, I'm Esther Lim and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. I've got another Passover 2022 story to share with you, courtesy of our regular listener Glenn Nashon in Cote St. Luke. The Nashons had planned to host 19 family members, including his parents, who are 98 and 93 years old. They figured they would keep the windows open and go ahead with the first in person Seder in three years. But COVID had other plans. One of their girls went to a Hillel event and got sick, and apparently half the room later tested positive. Glenn and his wife caught COVID a few days before Seder. Then their son tested positive for his second time in three months. So everything was cancelled and the Nations had Seder in quarantine. They did have some special touches. They put out sunflower seeds to have a spiritual connection with people in Ukraine who couldn't have seder, and they used a special family Haggadah. And then after dinner, they watched the Prince of Egypt movie. So get well soon, Nations. And hey, who doesn't love the Prince of Egypt movie, right? And joining me now from Toronto is Sarah Davis to tell us why her shofar saga makes reconnecting to Judaism that much more meaningful. How did this all start when you wanted to order a, uh, some chauffeurs?
1: Yeah, I, I went to agdayaqa.com and I ordered a bunch of things. Um, my very first talit and uh, a couple star David's necklaces and an Israeli flag and a chauffeur for myself and my friend. And uh, that was, oh, I think it was about six weeks ago. And then almost immediately we got an email saying it came from Israel and we were all excited. I showed my daughter on the map. And, um, and every day she was asking when it was coming and then it was stuck in customs for about a month. And then we got our box and we got an empty bag <laughs> labeled shofar and a little pamphlet describing how to use our shofar, but no shofar.
0: The box came empty. Like they took it out at the border. What happened?
1: Yeah. So we got the, the, the talit and the flag and the necklaces and everything, but just an empty bag for each of the shofars.
0: Uh, why did you order it from Israel? What, what, when, what meaning did it have for you to get it from Israel?
1: Well, I just wasn't quite sure how to buy one uh, locally, unfortunately. Um, so I just, I Googled <laughs> how to buy a shofar.
0: How much does it cost to buy a shofar? And how do you go about one? What's the procedure? $25. How, which one did you pick?
1: So they had like a, an Ashkenazi ram one or Sephardic ibex. I think they were really expensive though.
0: So just a little shorty. Yeah, just a little shorty. <laughs> and why did you buy it? What was the reason? Why did you want one? You don't have them, I assume.
1: No, I didn't have one. Um, I got a couple of plastic toy ones for my children, and it was a really fun, it was a fun ritual. every Every day during a little getting up and playing our show far. We did it at camp. People had no idea why. We were waking them up so rudely at camp, but it was fun. <laughs> and and I wanted to try the real thing. Which camp was it? Oh, it was it was a secular camp. But um, and then um, somebody in the city offered a shofar blowing class in a park during COVID. And there were so few things to do during COVID. We went and she had uh, she had extras and we, we practiced and it was a, it was a lot of fun.
0: So it spoke to you. You always wanted to do it or it's a more recent, uh, This is
1: more recent, more recent. I think we learned about it from the Bim Bum cartoons.
0: Tell us about that. I'm not familiar with that.
1: My kids call it the Sparks cartoons and there's car- their cartoons about the different holidays, different Jewish, uh, different Jewish virtues. And uh, the one for Rosh Hashanah showed the, uh, the, no- <laughs> the-, the show bars and my kids thought that looked like a lot of fun and we learned more about it. And uh-huh. so you, you wanted this
0: and you ordered it well in advance of any of the holidays, right?
1: Mm hmm. Oh yeah, I was hoping to get in in time for a little and I'm, I'm glad that's a long ways off. And so tell
0: us then the, the bureaucratic thing that that you discovered. So they took them out of the box. Who took them out of the box? In in Canada.
1: Yeah. And, and I got species incognu was the was the explanation.
0: So how did you what steps did you take to figure out what, what was wrong?
1: Yeah, well, it gave a list of everything that we needed to to prove the species. So I wrote to AjudaiFedegaha.com and Y'all see there got back to me right away. Um, he sent me the um the veterinarian certificate and the koshering certificate. And he wrote um, a shofar as a musical in- musical instruments are supposed to be exempt. And so are religious items. <laughs> My husband used to work for customs in Canada and he wrote to them and said, This is a musical instrument, it's for religious importance. And I I I hope that meant that made them change their minds, especially. For twenty five dollars, you don't think you'd get an an endangered animal, do you? <laughs> so I'm not sure what what sparked their attention with these horns. Um, and and sadly, it did cross my mind. Was uh, there was an Israeli flag in the package? There were uh, two Mogan David less um, necklaces. It's called a It did cross my mind whether uh, This was uh, an anti-Semitic motivation. You hate to go there, but so.
0: They weren't damaged in any way. They weren't, you didn't have to pay extra. How did they show up at your house just out of the blue? What, what was, how did they get there?
1: Yeah, well, I, I was very happy to find this on my, on my porch this afternoon when I came home. So that they mailed it to me and they sent a letter. Um, oh, it's in legalese, but they said at the end, they said, therefore, after concluding our inspection, it is not a sheep genius Ovis listed in schedule one of the wild animal and plant trade regulations. The two ram horns are released,
0: and so now you've got your shofars. Um, yep. Can, have you blown them yet? Have you tried? Let's <laughs> let's see. Let's hear. Let's let's. Now you got You're an. Putting aug- me on
1: the spot here. I'm
0: putting you on the spot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to work on it a little bit, but now I don't have an excuse.
0: I did put you on the spot. Well, if anyone out there is listening, we know someone who needs lessons and would be happy to (laughs) accept any help that they can get after this ordeal. These are more special now because it took such a a roundabout way to get to, you almost didn't get them.
1: Yep. No, I'm definitely going to appreciate
0: these. They're beautiful items. So you came in this later in life.
1: Uh, My mother was Jewish, um, but she she married my father and converted. And um, so I was raised Christian and um yeah it's she passed away sadly about six years ago and um and I'd I'd sort of fallen out with Christianity before that but it really um yeah it makes me feel closer to her to get get back to my roots I really miss my Jewish family on her side and people people have been so friendly and like it, it does feel kind of like finding family again and I do I do think there's something about saying like having a Jewish a Jewish soul like so many of the rituals you find, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the more I learn, the more, the, you know, the more I love the, love Judea, uh, Judaism and the rituals. And um, I have two kids in their Kids love rituals. Like I see how like their souls crave these things and like the meaning, especially during COVID when like time passed so empty and dull for so long, like the rituals were something that kind of kept you know, you know, kept time and made time meaningful.
0: So your kids, um, are they going to Jewish afternoon school or taking lessons? Like how, or is this kind of the first sort of major thing that you're doing to sort of show, share? The,
1: the, the JCC has been wonderful. They've been, re- they have a program called Jewish and, you know, I really appreciate the, how like there's, and then 18 doors, like how there's groups explicitly reaching out to new Jews and multi-faith families Yeah. I've got to call it them and PJ library.
0: Um, This has been such an amazing story. Is there any other, um, any other thing you want to share about how this has been this process for you It's kind of anxiety a little bit and annoyed a little bit too. Right.
1: Yeah. And, um, and I've been, you know, now that my six-year-old has her new milk and David, I tried to explain some people might not be nice and that we need to be aware of that um, as she chooses to wear it. and, so I think it's nice that we can tell, tell her this was not an anti-Semitic <laughs> attack that kept our, our shofars from us, but, um, you know, that it's been happily resolved.
0: Right, and the other Mugandavid is for your little one?
1: Oh, I was gonna keep that one for me. <music>
0: Environment Canada says even though the shofars were let through this time, there is still an ongoing investigation. We did ask for an interview with the inspector but Ottawa declined saying the illegal wildlife trade is very dangerous so it would be unsafe to reveal his identity. Sarah says he did tell her at first that he didn't know what the shofars were, but he did some research, and he figured Sarah needed them for the Jewish Easter, as he told her. So he let them through, and they arrived on March 11th. The Judaica store manager in Israel, Yossi Belts, tells me his shofar horns come from rams raised in Morocco or Egypt, and they hardly ever get stopped by government inspectors, except maybe once a year in the U.S. and the U.K. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. Today's listener shout out goes to Lila Sarek. She's the news editor of the CJN and she let me know that she too has a gurgling fish jug that talks just like mine. And apparently it was also bought at a store in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And we'll end the episode on a more solemn note. Tuesday is the 79th anniversary of the start of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. The Toronto Workmen's Circle Arbeiter Ring has a very moving commemorative ceremony scheduled with Yiddish songs and poems, and a lecture by Jan Grabowski. He's an Ottawa professor who was sued in Poland for writing about how some Polish people collaborated with the Nazis. The link to watch the ceremony is in our show notes.